Hello and welcome to the Cultural Studies Podcast. My name is Toby Miller and my guest today is Janet Wasco. Janet, lovely to see you. We've been friends for decades and you look the same as you did when first we met. Unfortunately, the same can't be said of me. But in any event, my opening gambit, as you know, is to ask you what's preoccupying you at the moment, what's on your mind, what you're thinking about, what's interesting you. Well, it's really great to talk with you, Toby. I just want to say that to begin with, and I and I love what you're doing with this uh, with this project, uh, talking to various folks and finding out what they're thinking and doing. Um, I think that there's a lot to be thinking about these days in terms of whoa. Um, changes going on in the state of the world and uh, uh, just amazing uh, uh, developments going on every day. And I think um, I'm still, I'm still teaching and involved at the, a university, University of Oregon. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's certainly the case that we have to be careful not to get totally entrenched in all of these day-to-day uh, um, well, often bureaucratic and other kinds of really uh, uh, problems related to the university and our responsibilities and so forth. So all this is saying that there are days that I start by listening in the morning to the overview of the news, and I find it so overwhelming and 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 lots of different emotions. Uh, I think especially with things that I can't do anything about, but it's very, very troubling. And I shift rather quickly to in, into my, you know, work with my classes and, and, and at the university and leave those uh, issues behind. Certainly they come up in, in classes and discussions with students, but um I think that uh, some of the things that uh, uh, overlap there have to do with some of the issues related to um, new developments in technology that involve media and communication, like AI, of course. I mean, it's it's being dis- discussed everywhere, and also relates to some of the some of the work I'm doing in some of the classes I teach, which have to do with media companies and. Uh, industries and so forth, and specifically in terms of um, the courses I'm teaching this term, which have to do with Disney, the Disney company, and uh, the U.S. film industry. So those two areas really, uh, those topics really are uh, opportunities for uh, talking about those kinds of issues that have to do with new technologies and specifically AI. There are uh, lots of things to say. Um, Students also are incredibly uh, interested and I think concerned in ways that many of us are in terms of uh, AI and its potential um, development in terms of thinking about it positively and negatively because it's moving so quickly as everyone agrees 
um, that we have a hard time kind of keeping up with it, but there are those concerns. It's certainly, definitely, absolutely in various ways involve uh, uh, the media and specific media companies. Um, I also have, we'll, we'll throw in uh, uh, the, the issues of labor and AI and specifically the recent strikes in connected with Hollywood and uh, uh, film, the film industry. And again, here we find issues not, not surprising because it happens, uh, it, it's happened historically that new technologies introduced present issues for, uh, for workers, for creators and so forth and so forth. But this is, this is a heavy duty uh, change going on that, that's, that, that's, it's been said it's nothing new. It's it's existential. Even I mean, in terms of our future as humans, our future as 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 um, uh, uh, in, involved with anything to do with with media and, and communication. So, I mean, I hope that's a little. It's kind of um, uh, an overview, touching on a number of things. Mm -hmm. Maybe we could go on from there yeah, that, however that's, you... that's great and when you refer specifically to the classes that you've got this semester you mention areas that you've been working on for a very long time disney you wrote a book about and hollywood as an industry several books but i wondered if we could go back 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 as they say in baseball commentary to your own origins as a media worker ah and the ways in which, what that was like, and the ways in which technology played a part in your functioning and your experience and the way you think about these matters today. Yeah, that's great. I will start saying once upon a time, in the good old Disney tradition, uh, <laughs> Um, I did work in the industry. I think that started with, if you go way back, um, when I came out of high school, I became really interested in studying and, and, and being involved somehow in, in media and television specifically, and, uh, even left my studies in San Diego to move to the Los Angeles area to start working at various companies starting with ABC uh, and then moving to different kinds of companies in different areas. Like for instance, um, I worked at a, a well, ABC, the network, and then an individual television station, a commercial production uh, house as they called it. <clears throat> and then, and then uh, Disney. Um, so, why did I jump around? Well, people do that in the industry, but I couldn't find really where I was satisfied, fulfilled, comfortable, uh, and and but also found that at, at certain points I was very discouraged uh, by what I thought would develop. One was, of course, working creatively, perhaps, or somehow involving myself in. Um, uh, in the production specifically of television at ABC, I worked in the editorial department as more or less a secretary or, you know, who, 
secretaries do a lot of different kinds of things. And, and I learned a lot. But one day I went to my boss and said, hey, you know, there are apprentice editors out there learning, you know, film editing. Uh, uh, um, and I'd like to do that. Uh, oh, no, no, no. We we've worked with women before and it just doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> and it was literally that explicit. Wow. It was a while back. But still, at a time where you would have thought, uh, and also, I mean, what nonsense. I mean, they're amazing film editors, as we know, um, who are women, who have been women. And and even in those days, Thelma Schoonmaker was already famous. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's one example of many we could nominate. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was discouraging in a way, and also um, um, uh, I, I, for various reasons, started going. I went to another um, uh, job working at an individual station, uh, independent station in LA, and again doing a lot of really interesting work, but still a secretary, mm-hmm. um, and found that also being immersed in this 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 role of. Uh, commercial uh uh and commercials and advertising and i I became kind of disillusioned by how everything rotated around though that advertising um no no surprise but you know i was in the midst of it went to a commercial production place because i would be more involved with production but became disillusioned because well all of these amazingly creative people working, sweating, uh, fretting over how to uh, 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 capture images of a woman's hands washing dishes with a specific kind of soap. What? And here we have, I mean, when I went to uh, study uh, television media and so forth, I thought, whoa, this is a wonderful resource that we can use. I mean, amazing possibilities, so forth, so forth, so forth, to sell soap. (laughs) Um, And so moved to a a Disney for various reasons and found I was really disillusioned. This was in the midst of um, uh, anti-war movements, civil rights, and all of that, which was absent at the Disney studio. I mean, it was as though it was another, another world. (laughs) <laughs> which is a good way to express it. Magic Kingdom. That's right. You got it. And found myself really uh, kind of alienated, but also um, it prompted me to want to know more about uh, media and what was possible. It prompted me to really think, you know, education, we should be using media for more in education. So I went back, finished my degrees, and but found that, Educational media was boring, especially educational television. Yuck. And and moved on and studying more and more, figuring out why. Was introduced to more critical thinking. Of course, I was involved in various kinds of political stuff going on in terms of just, you know, a bit of activism. But um, really was introduced as it was emerging uh, a critical orientation to looking at and thinking about media, introduced to Herb Schuller's work, of course, and others, and kept thinking, I need to know more. I want to know more. I want to do more. And so 
I wasn't thinking of a PhD, went to Illinois to study with Tom Gubak and discovered and worked in that area called the study of political economy of media, which, which to me really cuts through a lot of this and talks about kind of basic foundational uh, structures and organization and uh, also other aspects of media that I think are, are fundamental. They're not the only questions or issues, but they were fundamental. So that's how I got, uh, I started with my degrees, but then went to the media and went back to academe. That's so interesting. So, and I mean, along yeah. the way, I, I mean, I, I knew some of that story, but I didn't know about your being blocked for being a woman in terms of access to editing. Was yeah. this a time when feminism was being discussed, at least in your circles? It obviously wasn't being discussed at ABC or Disney or anywhere like that. Right, right. No, uh, it wasn't being discussed per se, but maybe not as early as when I was uh, working at ABC. But um, I began not only becoming involved with kind of anti-war demonstrations and so forth and so forth. The Peace and Freedom Party at the time was way back in California, Uh, but also... uh, gatherings of women to talk about being women, you know, Mm. uh, um, consciousness raising groups and so forth. And so in, in those groups and women I met, it was very interesting. Ironically, one of the women I met um, uh, actually worked at ABC also, and was that, one of the women that they had worked there as an apprentice editor, she hated it. She didn't do a good job. And she was one of the ones that my boss years later was referring to. We became very good friends. And, and um, uh, there was a, a lot of, um, I mean, for myself, it really had an impact in terms of the, you know, the feminist um, uh, movement. And uh, those, those, that period, um, I think it had as much of an impact as a lot of the other things I eventually uh, ended up studying, even though I didn't go into specifically that area per se. But um, yeah, uh, I, and and certainly I, to jump, I think things have certainly changed absolutely. If we look at the media, there's more presence of women and so forth. But still, of course, as we also know, there are also barriers and, and limitations in, in the numbers of some positions, for instance, um, in terms of, of, of women directors and so forth and so forth, are haven't improved. Uh, but, I mean, we have to say it's better. Um, and I, I know also uh, in terms of where I have um, uh, taught uh, in various uh, universities, there's often a majority of women uh, in terms of undergraduates, at least studying media and be getting involved. Uh, so those things have changed it, way back when I started studying television. Uh, it was a joke among the very, very few women that, that uh, well, we're doing this major be- to meet men. <laughs> so, which, which was appalling to me, even at the time, 
but it certainly was their motivation. And, and I, I, I don't see that um, uh, these days as well. I don't, perhaps it still happens, but there are more and more and more women involved. So that's, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Studying the yeah. need to meet men. Yeah. I yeah. Like yeah. It's, it sounds kind of very old fashioned. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, there and, was, so, in the old days, there was the MRS degree, I remember. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it yeah. used to be when I was in college, when you couldn't do things like communications or media, but that was English, psychology, sociology, linguistics. Ah. The four things you did in marriage one. Yeah. And, and you narrowed them down in marriage two and three. But <laughs> yeah, marriage one, this two, was, three. This was the fantasy anyway, however uh, absurd yeah. and sexist. But it yeah. is interesting to try to recall those days and think about a different sort of discourse. Whereas yeah. today there are still terrible data about access to for women and minorities to controlling positions of power in Hollywood and in television more generally in the United States. Yeah. But it is a different world. It is a different story, as you yeah. said. Yeah. So, Janet, talking about continuing with the gender theme, inside the study of the political economy of the media, there has also been debate about this being a club for boys where gender was not much discussed and not yeah. many women were participating slash welcome. I wonder how you would react to that suggestion, that conceit. Uh, first of all, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, that has been the case. There's that kind of history. that, And I, I'll speak to what I'm familiar with um, because I think that um, uh that there's a part of this history that may go back further, but just to uh, maybe start the discussion, though, with those um, people who were involved kind of initially or became kind of um, uh, the founding, <laughs> sometimes they're called, um, uh folks who were developing political economy and and they were men and they were men uh and we know them and and, and their names you know herb schiller dallas Smythe, even our friends vinnie mosco graham murdoch and peter golding and so forth ah, i think there were women around uh, during this period and but they just weren't visible in the in that they weren't they weren't publishing as much uh, or or just kind of beginning their careers and, and getting going increasingly again more and more um women became involved but i think it's taken a while for there to be that kind of visibility of women and still when i think about people and and for instance looking at um you know at the conferences the the the, the gatherings and you know a lot of men still dominate but i i just don't i i think it is very different though uh more and more um 
uh, also to, to connect to your original thought that the focus on, for instance, feminist issue issues involving women, I think it was there, but it wasn't it wasn't a major focus. Uh, of course, in in the work that I think um, Vinnie and Graham did, for instance, they acknowledged that, but really didn't focus on it as much as some of the women who work in political economy. Uh, the study of political economy media now um, and they're in more leadership roles and doing a lot more publishing and um, mentoring younger uh, uh, scholars. And it, I think that if, if we look at the range of work done, for instance, in political economy is expanded greatly um, and especially the involvement of women, but also the issues related to women in the in uh, the study of political economy, issues related to women, especially labor issues and, and work and so forth. I think that has um, uh, increased, increased a bit. There's still probably room for a lot more. It continues. But I think that 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 also has come from another direction. I think people working in the area of, uh, of, of feminism, often women, um, embrace, integrate political economy into their, into their work. Um, and especially if they take a, a, a real strong you know, critical position, they have to, I think. Um, so I think there's more, more work, but we find it in, in, in maybe different places um uh, under different uh kind of uh specializations and, and i think that one of the things also that's happening more and more people are also integrating more of the various approaches to study media recall our big debate between cultural studies and political economy that i don't think that exists as much anymore in terms of the integration of uh, a lot of people, at least, I don't think enough, maybe are more uh, integrating more approaches into their into their work. Um, just taking one approach often is just too narrow. Um, I don't know if that uh, if that makes sense, but I think that that's one of the reasons why maybe we find more work in political economy focusing on issues. Um, uh, they're re related to feminism or uh, women's issue issues. Um, hope that if, makes sense. If we do go back in time, you and Eileen Meehan were not just pioneers, I mean, horrible word to use, but founders in gender terms, but founders in general terms. You know, you are both points of reference for many of us just as the people you, you mention, uh, like Herb Schiller and Dallas Smythe are, which is not to say you're their age, but it is to say that your foundational references uh, from quite early on. And I'm thinking yeah. of what I think was your first book, which comes out in the early 80s and is yeah. about a very interesting and nowadays insufficiently analysed phenomenon which is where does the money for Hollywood actually come from? 
And you really tracked this. Now, if you can remember, I must have read that book 40 years ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, pro I think I, almost 40 years ago I read that book. Can you remember what's in it? <laughs> well, yes, in, in a way I can. And, and um, I appreciate you, first of all, recalling it and also um, – pointing to the need for something, for continuing analysis of that. Um, yeah. So is, sorry, sorry, just to interrupt. I'm just getting the title right, looking it up in my digital archive, Movies and Money, Financing the American Film Industry. Right. And I really have to acknowledge uh, 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 the, uh, the professor I worked with, Tom Gubak, Mm -hmm. Who really, really? I mean, I, he he was just um, uh, beyond a mentor. He he his work I just appreciated so much in his guidance. He had, you know, when you go into your advisor's office and talk about your dissertation proposal, um, they have ideas, right? Many of your the people do. He pulls out a drawer and he pulls out a list of topics, but at the top. He was really keen on seeing work done on uh, this financial aspect of, of, of Hollywood and specifically the claim that Hollywood was owned by, ruled by, dominated, controlled by banks, bankers in the 30s and 40s. Uh, it, it had been acknowledged, studied or mentioned, at least in some in some um work, but really hadn't been delved into. And I thought, whoa. I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, I think I know how to manage my bank accounts, but you know that. Was, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I ran over to the uh, uh, economics department, took a course in banking or banks, and it didn't help at all. <laughs> uh, what helped was understanding that notion of financialization and, and some of the other material. So I do feel strongly it's probably the it's 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 the study of the book that I feel the strongest about um and uh I appreciate you mentioning it I think that there have been um even recently some uh short shorter studies of the notion of financialization and and updates on you know, sources of finance uh, for Hollywood and so forth. But I really felt as though because I did a lot of archival work and primary interviews with treasurers of, of some of the Hollywood companies and bankers, of course, they all thought that I was interested in finding money to finance a film. <laughs> Who would be interested in doing research on this, right? Um, so I felt as though it it was fairly solid in terms of the kind of material that I looked at. And Tom Gubeck and I agreed in the process as I was wandering around trying to find material, you know, Hollywood is notoriously uh, not secretive per se, but just you can't find accurate information. And everyone who studies it acknowledges that. And then you got banks who, you know, they're not going to talk to you freely. But I found that there were ways to get at information and also uh, the interviews that I had with some of these folks started sounding familiar. So I I, I felt fairly good about um, 
uh, what I was finding, but Tom and I agreed that I should do kind of a historical overview because I was looking at everything from archives that had to do with D.W. Griffith through the current uh, uh, situation in Hollywood. So it, it, it's an overview. So, yeah, I, uh, I still go back to it as a kind of, um, kind of basic, <laughs> uh, where does the money come from? Um, and what are the implications of where it comes from in terms of what's produced, who produces it and who gets to see it and so forth. So, um, and some of my work still, really draws on that but mostly it comes out in my, in in my teaching and working with with students and and not just undergraduates uh but also graduates and and um uh doctoral students working on their dissertations and i i one of the classes that i also teach is document analysis with um attention to what is a document first of course but then an overview of the range of material available to do this kind of work. Of course, now it is so different from when I did that study, that work, uh, because of the internet, of course. So and lots of... In some cases, studio archives have become more accessible, not just through the internet, but materials, papers, and so on have been deposited in right. ways that... Mm, make the scene a bit easier and right. also, um, although what we read in the trade magazines is often problematic hollywood reporter has become a very good resource in a way that it wasn't in those days right right example. and variety i think has become less of a good resource yes, but it's still yes. a resource. Yeah. exactly that's the balance but also yeah. financial newspapers which often have very good journalists take more interest in Hollywood and the culture industries than they used to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's also the coverage, it, it gets picked up also uh, by, I mean, the public, you know, uh, in terms of being interested in uh, um, films, how they're made and Hollywood per se, or the film industry per se. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. If we um, think back to those times, do you think that a lot's changed in terms of where the money comes from? I, yes and no, maybe some of the uh, kind of very minor changes. Um, uh, historically, there have been individuals who have a lot of money extremely rich get attracted by the possibility of hanging around Hollywood. Uh, and that goes way back. Joseph P. Kennedy, uh, uh, Walsh, you know, involved in wall street, but also the father of one of our presidents became extremely involved in lots of personal and financial ways in Hollywood. Uh, for instance, um, but then we jump to now and we again have those very rich, extreme, extremely, extremely rich. I mean, it's obnoxiously rich um, people, even though they may be coming from maybe another company that they've made all their money from. In other words, Amazon and Apple and so forth. 
now they're involved with 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 filmmaking and media media generally right um so some of some of it comes there from 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 individuals i think banks still are 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 they have to be involved uh given our system um banks and financial institutions i i think probably less so the investment banks that's my sense i uh i say that tentatively but i think there's less involvement than there was say in the uh, uh um well from the 20s into the 30s and so forth yeah. um but uh also you know these companies continue to even though they have these challenges and uh lean years perhaps they still make a lot of money uh from what they do and they have expanded in terms of uh taking advantage of new media as well as you know diversifying in a lot of other areas so they draw on their their their, their wealth um uh as well as um the other sources uh of of funds uh, that they previously uh previously had but i think there are still bank loans uh big loans to big companies um and uh they also come with really interesting relationships and even limitations and restrictions and it it, it they're potentially um they have some control because of their uh, than providing providing funds. So, in some ways, you know, it, it's it's more or less the same. More hmm. or less, I would. Just returning for a moment to your advisor, for those who are interested and who don't know his work, Thomas Guback wrote a really very valuable early study called the International Film Industry, which came out over fifty years ago, which yep. is really a classic of its kind. I think it's fair yep. to say. Yep. They yep. can follow that up if they're interested. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Janet, you, you've also written quite a lot about television and how to study Hollywood and Disney. So could we get on to talking a bit about those projects, perhaps? Right. Um, I, I think the um, to go back to my history... Yeah. Uh, when I found myself here at the University of Oregon, uh, an interesting uh, an interesting thing is perhaps, uh, as you know, American universities have mascots and who wander around during sports events and so forth. At University of Oregon, <laughs> the mascot is a duck and it's modeled on Donald Duck, thus a relationship with Disney. In fact, uh, the image of the Oregon duck, the most well-known one, is it, you know it has to be copyrighted. Uh, it's copyrighted by Disney, uh, so we had that relationship. And there I was teaching uh, courses on media and so forth, and um, s- someone suggested actually that it, it might be an interesting course to look at. At, at Disney, the company, and its uh, connections, for instance, with the University of Oregon, but not only that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I started thinking more about that, and also at the time trying to f- figure out how to deal with this issue of uh, people um, uh, 
arguing that the study of political economy was deterministic, <clears throat> was economic determinist and only interested in issues of structure and so forth, no content, no you know, uh, uh, effects or any of that. And uh, I thought, no, 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 they, they work together. Let's, why don't, why don't I take the example of Disney and try mm -hmm. to look at it from these different perspectives? Right. Yeah. And so that was what prompted me to design the course first, which was a good history of the Disney company, including the amazing, uh, you know, uh, histories, mini histories of Walt Disney, uh, going into the political economy issues, the economic, the financial, what they own and so forth. Then looking at content, what are they producing? Mm. Um, and what are the meanings there? And what's the representation and so forth? I didn't do a lot of that at first, Lots of other people did, and I drew on their work. And then, um, of course, looking at lots of the uh, discussion studies of the theme parks, which were, um, I think, some of the best stuff at the time. Um, and also looking to audiences. What do audiences do with this? And, 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 and um, how do they relate to Disney or not? <laughs> Uh, so I tried to embrace all of that and kind of a uh, called it sometimes a holistic look at at Disney, Disney, mm -hmm. the actual corporation, Disney, the the, the 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 content, and then the responses from audiences. Amazingly, um, that has that led to uh, because it was a very popular course, uh, and I started thinking, well, maybe I should start working on gathering more you know, and turning this into something. And so I did the book very much based on the class. The and this course. book is called Understanding Disney. Yes, yes. And I felt good about that because of trying to look at the whole. And um, even though I have received uh, reviews and responses saying, well, basically, though, it's still political economy. Uh, because I was also trying to draw on these, you know, how the political economy aspects influence or may influence the content. And also how uh, how widespread is Disney? Is it universal? Everyone loves Disney or or do they? And started also talking to different people about that aspect. Yes. And we ended up doing an international study of audiences. Um, and w which turned out to be kind of interesting. eventually called Dazzled by Disney with a question mark. Uh, because not everyone is dazzled by Disney. And so that, that one of the points I try to make in the stuff I do and in my classes is that not everyone loves Disney. My students think they do. <laughs> <laughs> they still do. And even after the class where I repeat these things over and over again, they end up the course with saying everyone loves Disney. Not all of them, but anyway, so that, that's, that, that's um, the work on Disney and um, I, I, it's amazing now just to add this, I may be going to, on too long about no, not at all. You see, uh, but these days, 
Toby, it's amazing the number of people still just doing all of this work on, I mean, there, there, there were studies in really important books and so forth written about the company and Walt Disney and so forth. But now it's like a massive amount of scholarship, academic work yes. to the point where there's a, a, a group organized. I don't know what it's called about, you know, studying Disney. Uh, I'm not involved. Uh, and they have just the same folks had just uh, proposed and have a journal that's being produced by by intellect um, journal of Disney studies. And I find that really interesting and it actually said so in a review of the proposal. What is this a journal devoted to a company, a cor one corporation? Does that make sense? There's tons of material out there, but I still find it um, really not cool. <laughs> uh, how can I say it any differently? Uh, I work with intellect, and, I, and that's I've told them that I don't think it's an appropriate journal. But you know, it'll they're doing it, and, it, and it's probably going to be uh, well received. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave that now. Um, also, the um, the other thing that I've done is numerous anthologies and still doing them, collections uh, from people who are um, doing really interesting work and so forth. They've happened in different ways, but one of them was a companion for television. And that one... Um, I think does offer kind of a wide range that sometimes you don't find in, in, in books on television. And for both of those, I've done second editions uh, for Disney. I don't want to do another one. <laughs> um, and Eileen, me and uh, joined me for the second edition of the companion mm. for television. So um, what about the, how Hollywood works book? Could you talk to us about that? Oh yes. I thought about that. Oh, we talked about Tom Guback. Tom was working on a book, uh, kind of an overview on Hollywood and kind of a political economy in a way, of course. Um, and then he retired, moved on to other uh, adventures uh, and, and didn't finish it. And I started thinking, wow, it would really, I, I think it could be uh, a really useful book to outline just the whole structure organization and, and policies and so forth um, connected to uh, uh, Hollywood filmmaking. Um, I was hesitant, uh, but I did it uh, and it came out uh, with, with Sage, not too happy about that, but it did come out and for a while was I think useful. It's a lot of things have changed and I not interested in doing a second edition, but a lot of other people have also done uh, studies, especially the media industry studies folks are looking a little bit more at some of that process uh, that was in that book. I also, by the way, was so hesitant to send a copy to Tom Gubeck, but I did. And he was very complimentary, which, um, 
was uh, for me important. <laughs> um, but that that book, I think, um, uh, was just feeling the need to do something like that to uh, sort out the the whole process from way back raw materials and, and other kinds of uh, uh, aspects of production through distribution and exhibition and so forth. And then newer technologies were folded in there as well. So um, I, I think it shows um, it's, it, it's a bit dated now still. I mean, some of the same questions are important, but I think it's a bit dated. And Prof. Jay, I've got a couple more questions for you, and then I'd like to throw it to you. Should there be things that you would like to add to or subtract from what we've discussed? Does that sound yeah. okay? Yeah, so absolutely. you mentioned this media industry studies group of people. Is there any tension? Is there overlap between what they do in political economy. Are they uh, anti-Marxists who have moved into doing work on behalf of the industry? <laughs> Toby, all I have to say is yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> um, you got it. Um, it it's, it's an interesting phenomenon, I think, because in some ways I think it was... Um, perhaps inevitable that there would be more attention to uh, the kind of industrial issues and, and, and uh, um, questions related to control of the media industries and all of that. And that, ha and there has been, it, it has it, uh, several years back emerged as media industry studies and isn't often even I, I, you might say critically oriented, that's been the case for a very long time. If we look at media economics, I mean, that's been around and, and that isn't always, you know, critically oriented. Sometimes the media industry studies uh, uh, work is not either, but also there have been kind of explicit discussions of what is media industry studies where they really um, do uh, uh, well, I think misrepresent, but at least they mention they they deal with the notion of uh, Marxist analysis and political economy in a way that is not too uh, new. <laughs> uh, uh, the approach has been criticized as, as deterministic and uh, only interested in in uh, uh, certain aspects of the media phenomenon, but. Um, they really took after um, uh, specific Marxist notions. Um, interestingly enough, some of those critiques or discussions excluded Eileen and me because for some reason, I think it's because we deal with popular culture and so forth. And they don't see that some of the folks who do, who study work on political economy who work on things like news and so forth, uh, they really go after them. <laughs> uh, we're more acceptable because we talk about popular culture. Um, so yeah, I, Eileen and I have uh, responded uh, to their critiques, um, but 
also noting that there is overlap. Of course, I mean, there, there's definitely um, um, overlap in the kind of questions that are asked and even, you know, the kind of work done. They do a lot more in terms of looking at how the industries work. Uh, they do uh, do a lot of work on uh, creative workers and, and labor uh, issues Although, by the way, political economists have done that, right? It's not that it's been rejected. In fact, for for some of us, it's the key um, issues related to labor. Um, so there's, there, I don't know if there's still tension. I'm involved in uh, the board of their journal. I don't attend regularly um, their gatherings, mainly at Society for Cinema and Media Studies, but um, um, but there's some, there's some very good work uh, done. It's just that they kind of reject that, and and some critically oriented folks doing it, but it's just that kind of rejection of certain aspects of um, political economy and specifically uh, Marxist approaches. Um, yeah, I think they've done some very good work that yeah. I've learned from. And I've liked the people I've met involved in it, but I don't understand why we're the bad guys, <laughs> Jan. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, what, did we, what did we do wrong just because we yeah. did or you did doesn't mean yeah. we don't know shit yeah. from Shinola. And I say that because of, I mean, having, I should emphasize that I'm nowhere near as significant a figure as you or the predecessors of yours that we've mentioned, but... I have been very influenced by that model. So my last question, Prof, picking up on actually the issue of work, is this. One criticism of political economy of the media that I've discussed in these podcasts with a couple of very important figures, Dan Schiller and Vincent Mosco, has been the charge of a functionalist Marxism that could be posed at critical political economy that whereas cultural studies perhaps overplays, overemphasizes conflict and underemphasizes structure. The opposite can apply to a functionalist Marxism where the state and corporations run everything, there's no way out, there's no conflict. But ironically, the Marxism's dropped out and workers have no agency and no significance. Now, I, I'm wondering how you'd reply to that sort of accusation that I'm making. Uh, I think I would reply by saying that there are different varieties of political economic approaches. <laughs> uh, and some uh, really do emphasize and at least attend to those kinds of issues. Uh, but also, um, uh, I, I, I think increasingly there are there is a, a range of work by those who talk about political economy that really, that really now I, I think, think we see distinct, slight differences, and sometimes it's more major than other times. Mm -hmm. uh, and and um, I don't, I don't, 
know if I should call out people, but for instance, if 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 you look at uh, the work of Christian Fuchs, uh, he, I, I I think I would uh, probably call him a very staunch classic Marxist, uh, if that term makes sense. Whereas other folks, like I'm thinking about uh, a former student of mine who's doing a lot of interesting work in Canada, Dwayne Winsack who has identified, in fact, a book of his, uh, a collection uh, focuses on political economies, plural, of communication and media. And, and he involves, includes those, some, some work and uh, concepts that some may not in terms of defining political economy, meaning those uh, institutional economists for instance, uh, he, he kind of embraces them as part of um, uh, his overview of political economy. Um, so I, I also think that there are those who really, and, and I, I, I hope you don't feel offended, but I think you are someone, you and also your colleague Rick Maxwell represent to me people who are very able to mix up, uh, not mix up, uh, but integrate cultural studies and political economy and uh, in ways that are really, uh, and also David Hesmondall. Um, and I think those, uh, those examples to me are really important because I'm increasingly trying to think beyond political economy, but not lose it not lose political and I think some integrating looking to other disciplines for instance and I've been working on understanding more about systems theory and, and how that may represent not this you know really difficult and problematic area but also may work well with with looking at uh, political economic analysis so uh, I'm not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I very much appreciate your trying to bring the threads together like that. And I think acknowledging that perhaps Labour has sometimes been left out of these topics. And as you say, it is something that the media industry studies group seems to be concerned about. Yeah, so, yeah. Roth, I've finished my interrogation. You are almost free to go. But I suspect <laughs> <laughs> oh no this has been great and i just want to bring up the topic the issue the area which is absolutely i think i should have brought it up before when i was asked what am i thinking about um i'm thinking about how fundamental our attention needs to be it's just so cliche now though uh, on, on environmental ecological issues and Toby you're, you're such a uh, incredible figure in this area you and your work uh, with Rick has been really really important and and other political economists have over the last few years become very much involved with this Graham Murdoch and uh, and, and others are, are just really really uh, focusing on that uh, uh strongly and i 
I'm embarrassed to say in a way that I've added uh, segments of, to my classes and the work I'm doing because I'm behind, but I just see it as so crucial and absolutely it should be on our mind constantly, but what do we do? Um, I mean, uh, what, 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 what can we do? And in some of the work I do is calling attention to issues, especially with students and, and, and sometimes if I get a chance to speak to the public um, about issues, about um, uh, uh, the, the complexity of some of the issues and so forth. So, so I don't know if it's a question for you, but um, I hoping that you are continuing to do that kind of work because it's needed. Your work well, is thank you. Yes, I try to do more of that sort of thing. And, and so does Rick, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Professor Wasco. You've put up with my getting a glass of wine, dealing with the podcat and <laughs> the general chaos of my life during this fantastic conversation. Fantastic thanks to your contributions. Thank you for being so generous with your time and your thoughts. It's really been great. Thank you, Toby. And again, thank you for doing this. Uh, I think it's really excellent. And keep it up. <laughs> thank As you. As the actress said to the bishop, just kidding. Yeah.